Coming to you live from downtown Detroit, this is Benzinga's Pre-Market Prep with your host, Joel Conan. This is a volatile puppy here, isn't it? And Dennis Dick. I've been a penny. I will buy the stock for a penny. With everything you need to start your trading day. Everybody, welcome to this Monday edition of Benzinga's Free Market Prep. Spencer Israel here with Joel Conan and Dennis Dick on the show today. Biotech news rules the day. A lot of headlines from biotech land. Uh, we have some MA news, we have some drug news from the Ash Conference over the weekend. So, just a lot of different biotech headlines to talk about. We'll get to all of the big ones. Plus, Canopy Growth has a new CEO. Talk about that. Talk about uh, the PCG settlement that we got over the weekend, or at least that was on Friday. Uh, so a lot of individual movers to discuss. No, nothing really in the way of earnings today, but we have uh, some uh, notable names this week, so maybe we'll preview those as well. Our guest today, Nate Tobik from CompleteBankData.com. He would join us at 8:35. Uh, in the meantime, Joel, what's the word here overnight in the S&Ps? A little bit of red on the screen, not bad considering that rip roaring rally we had on Friday. S&P futures down two dollars and fifty cents, or two and a half handles. Pre-market high, that was made early, uh, just after the open at 48.50, right near the close. So 31.46, that was the close from Friday. We've got to hold that, get up there and test that 31.55. Crude still bouncing around here, down 62 cents, 58.58. Gold in the green by 360 at 14.68.70. Silver distancing itself from 17, even though it's up nearly a dime. It's only at 16.69 and a half. And Bitcoin just hanging out at 65 or 7,500, up 65 dollars at 7,525. Triple D. The only thing I could think of today when I came in, we started putting the show together, was is I hope this doesn't have any odd lots of biotech stocks on short. <laughs> No, I'm okay. There's a lot. I saw it last night. And I was like, oh, it's going to be one of those days with biotech with this Thor takeover when you see a stock and taking over for 170% premium. So always makes the days interesting on this smaller stuff. But yeah, let's jump into it. Let's go to these small biotech stocks. What's up? Well, I'm not sure where you like to start. I guess we can. Well, Thor. Let's, I just let's mentioned Thor. Thor. So let's, let's go, go Thor. Percentage basis order here. Okay. Thor, so Thor. So Synthorx is not to be confused with Thor Industries. This is Synthorx as the company. The ticker is T-H-O-R here. They're getting acquired by Sanofi for $68 a share in cash. Wow. Stock was off the board. Uh, and I don't know if this was rumored or not because it had been running for three days. So maybe it was rumored. Well, whoever bought it on the rumor are making a hell of a lot of money on the news. This is not one of those buy on rumor, sell on news events. It was $18 a week, three days ago. Yeah. Ran to 25 ahead of this. 68 bucks. Like, holy mackerel, what a premium being paid here. Um, was this rumored? Like, I'm just curious because, you know, me and Joel look at this action and we say, what the hell? I mean, two days, this thing has biggest two-day move before, you know, this news probably ever. Was this I, rumored? I didn't hear any rumors. No. Uh, it, it's possible. I didn't see anything just because I, I didn't see I'm it. wondering who was buying on Wednesday. Well, and then we get all, yeah, on the yeah, last three trading days, just like basically looking at. Yeah. yeah. Uh, who was buying Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday? Wednesday and Thursday. The thing went from 18 to 22 on Wednesday. Then went from 22 to 26 on Thursday. Was there another takeover on the side? Like, I mean, there's so many biotech takeovers. So maybe it was just speculation that, oh, there's going to be another acquisition. Whoever speculated on this one got it right. I think it has to be a look for a stock to go to 18 to 26, Dennis. Um, well, whatever. It, it, it is what it is. It's getting taken over. Not much chance. I mean, they're looking at the Good deal. Good job to the 18 to 26 buyers. Yeah, so I have Holy to mackerel. Yep. Yep. Uh, 42.21. Might as well cash it out here. If you're waiting for the other 76 cents here uh, for the deal to close, nah, you know why wait? Uh, looking at SNY, uh, it's only down 13 cents here, so maybe not a huge deal for them. I'm just looking at yeah, smaller deal. Starts 48 even, and um, I'm looking to see what kind of drugs this company. You know, usually I, when I see this, I'm like, what do they have? What drug do they have? And uh, 
what are their gene therapy? There's something novel DNA based pair. We are designing and building problem therapeutics to create an entire new generation. I don't know. Sounds like just buy, you know, engineering, DNA engineering. And there it is off the board. All right, let's go to. We've, we've uh, talked about, you know, the, and we've, we've talked about a lot of this gene therapy stocks. We talked about them last week. Obviously this is a sector that seems to keep getting takeovers here. So, um, so maybe it's just that speculation, but wow, what a premium being paid. You know what? Also, this is just a strange coincidence. Uh, did anybody watch 60 minutes last night? What was on 60 minutes? They had this uh, Harvard professor that's uh, just working on all kinds of like reversing aging and all kind of this DNA testing has a, he actually flunked out of Duke and got hired by Harvard. And he has, you know, he's put together a bunch of investments and, and all these different companies. And uh, wow, what a coincidence that that was on 60 Minutes last night. And then you have this. So, uh, wow. It was a good piece. It was it was pretty interesting. All right. So what? who's buying uh, is XBIT. That's trading up. No one is buying XBiotech, but they uh, announced that they're, they're licensing their anti-inflammatory right. antibody to Janssen for $750 million in cash and up to $600 million in milestone payments. So that's why XBIT is up 130%. Someone thought this was not going to go very well as the stock has gone with 15 to 11 as the other biotechs have been going up. And now you got over $30 here. You got to... Man, the moves in these things. I guess that's why, you know, there's a lot of speculation always in these sectors, like on these small biotechs, because when they move, they move. <laughs> this one this one got up to 33.20. So we have backed off $6. I'm looking at the... I mean, that's a new all-time high for it. In fact, it backed off so much, I... Don't see it going back to that 3320, but uh, who knows? Uh, kind of settling down here at 27, pretty good volume here. Daily chart looking horrible going into this. So someone got the wrong memo that this was not going to be or something good was not going to happen. Getting all those losses back, trading at a new all-time high. Keep going right. through the biotech stocks because there's yep. a pile of them here. Uh, yeah. ARQL getting bought too. That's the third one on the list here. They're all, Holy they're, mackerel. They're only, they're only up 100%. So oh, should we even talk about so it? So they're, they're lagging the other two yeah, names so here. But ARQL, what a crappy premium that one was. Only 100% premium. Getting acquired <laughs> That's by my Merck, sarcasm. Getting acquired by Merck this morning for $20 a share in cash. 20 20 even. So another one off the board here. Um, obviously, all these companies are getting scooped up. I mean, the technicals, there's nothing to be said about these yeah. because this is like, this was a $2 stock at the beginning of the year of 2019. So it's a thousand percent winner for whoever had it at the beginning of the year because it's up going to be going off the board at 20. 1945. Now the risk curves have put a 50 cent uh, discount just obviously uh, for time value more than anything. But man, so many big takeovers here this morning yeah this uh this company uh is uh targeted therapies that treat hematological malignancies is this more gene therapy uh for it sounds uh, like it sounds can like, cancer sounds food. like blood to me yeah. oh okay Woo. I, wow i i don't follow this company at all i've heard of it but it's not one that i've actively traded yeah. this morning it's getting some big left again you know, the people who are coming in and saying, oh, well, maybe they'll, you know, hit, you know, the acquirers on these. These are small deals. Oh, yeah. Drop in the bucket. When you're talking a $2 billion deal for a company like Merck, that's nothing. So it's not even going to affect Merck price whatsoever. Although Merck is actually trading up slightly on it. So maybe it is. Maybe they like that they're going after and trying to buy up some of these smaller companies. Like this, this was a $2.7 billion deal. And Merck. we do have a. I will say Merck. Uh, before we leave this yeah. 89 what about the book 90 gotta be something 90. i don't have my book open yet jv spec if you're in the chat gotta be something 90 eh what do you think joel without even uh, looking I mean, it, it hasn't has, been there forever yeah it, has it ever been there i don't even remember yeah, it's been yeah, yeah, a lot of years since merck's been 90 because i've had it in the portfolio i'm still long merck i don't remember it being 90 for a lot of years uh, not since it, i've owned it i bought it back during like just after the financial crisis in the 30s uh, it, I think you got to go back to the 2000s. You do. That is correct. December of 2000, you had a high at 90. Tech bubble or the, or the everything bubble. 
Yep. And then the all-time high here is 91.50. That's that the all-time high, 91.50? Yep. We never got over 100 then. So you're going back to 2002? Uh, going, oh, this my chart goes back before that. It goes back to 99. All right. Yeah, I think that's right. Unbelievable. Um, you know, so if you, it just goes to show you again, and the long-term valuation can matter. If you're paying 60 or 70 times earnings from Merck back in the year 2000, here you are 19 years later and you're finally getting your money back because the company has finally grown into that valuation that the market gave it back in 2000. I mean, and, and, you know, and I get a kick out of, you know, people saying, oh, how, you know, this market's trading 18 or 19 times earnings, you know, how ridiculously overvalued it is. Do you remember what the S&P valuation was back in 2000? I'm going for my memory, but I think I'm right. Do you I, take a guess? I don't remember. Overall market. 40? I think it was over 40 times. Okay. I think it was over 40 times. That was the S&P. I'm pretty sure somebody might be able to verify that for me, but I'm going from my memory. So you think about, oh, S&P trade 19 times is way overvalued. Nothing, nothing like the year 2000 when everything was just ridiculous. So we can double from here. I mean, on, on, you know, if you want to see a bubble, if you really you know, think this market's going to go crazy, funny things happen. And that's when interest rates were higher. Interest rates were higher back then, so... Um, JV Speck is saying 60,000 at 90. So that's your number today in Merck. That's going to be a big number for it. All right. So two takeovers and yep. a potential, potential take under here this morning. Wait, what about take under? Fate? You didn't do fate. The yeah. Undertaker. Oh, I forgot fate. You forgot fate and you also forgot HGIO. Well, well, those aren't, those aren't takeover news. Drug news. Right. They had drug news. Good drug news. It's a good day to own drug stocks. Right. I'll get there. I wanted to get to... The, uh, the, take the market is on drugs again. That's <laughs> I'm starting way. to wake up. One way of putting it. All right, Diplomat Pharmacy here. DPLO received an offer from United Health for four dollars per share. A take under. <laughs> What's the symbol on that one? DPLO. DPLO. I feel like I've traded this one before. These are small. We talked about it. Remember when uh, when uh, we did uh, hot potato and I did the Michigan companies. Uh, Diplomat was one of them. Yeah, they're a Flint, Michigan company. Dip low. You should have bought that dip down to $2. Goes down, fills the gap. What an amazing run. Look at that thing. Straight up. Well, I hit 243. Did it fill the gap? I think it's taken over at <laughs> four bucks. Yes. The, the dreaded take under. You never, you know, you're always excited. Oh, my stock's going to take over. And then you look at the price. You're like, well, that's got to be it. Typo. It can't be. I was a set. It was four. How's it or six? How's it getting taken over for four? These take unders do happen. Well, and they didn't come out and automatically reject this and say, "Did you look at the close on Friday?" I mean, it's early yet. Yeah. Obviously, right. they got other issues if they're willing to take a four dollar price in stock to five eighty one. But the market's fully efficient. Everything is always priced in, right? Yeah. Holy. Efficient market hypothesis. You remember that in school? I do. I do remember. I don't know. Yeah. I, after seeing all, all these uh, all these moves off trade headlines for the past few years, that theory doesn't hold way less water. It never held any water, Spencer. <laughs> it was the most ridiculous theory, and they teach it all through school, the efficient market hypothesis, and it's absolutely junk. Anybody who subscribes to that, I'm sorry, you're wrong. We make our money at Bright Trading because that theory doesn't exist. Because it's wrong. The theory exists, but because the theory is wrong. All right, let's go. All right, so just to run through real quick, the other tickers here, we're moving off of drug news. This is off the ASH conference over the weekend. TGTX, FATE, and Bluebird, Bluebird Bio all moving this morning. Oh, one more, one more thing on the, uh, the M&A uh, slate here. Uh, Roche extended their tender offer for a spark just for a few more days. So uh, that one won't close just yet. But uh, those few tickers, again, TGTX, FATE, and BLUE moving off of drug news this morning. They had those headlines. And XBI, too, we should just talk to because all these stocks, some of them are in the XBI, some of them are not, but some of the peers are in the XBI. So we're trading up $1.59. So that's significant for the XBI on a day that the market is actually down. So you can see the money flowing into the smaller biotechs. Right. Um, even the big one, IBB's up. So, but I guess we got Merck and Pfizer trading a little bit higher too. What'd you say? It was Pfizer news? Did you say that off the hop? No, no. I made that up. 
There right. could be. There's a lot that I may have just missed it. I didn't see any Pfizer headlines this morning. There's uh, tons I, of ratings that are interesting here too, and I do want to get over into the ratings. We usually don't cover it till later in the show, but there's so many good ones here, Spencer, that I'm like, I'm like itching to look at a few of these charts. Uh, who are you referring to? Well, I'm looking at Macy's first. Macy's okay. getting downgraded yep. to sell that's, gold. That's interesting. Macy's. I mean, Macy's obviously has been in the dog house forever. Even with the recent retail rally when we had it back in October, November, Macy's really didn't participate that much. Now Goldman downgrading it to sell. What's the PT? I actually don't have it in front of me. I don't know if there is a PT. It's not yeah. in there. But 14 is the number. This is the number that Macy's absolutely positively needs to hold if it ever goes below 14. Katie bar the door. Then we're in trouble. Then we're going to start talking about dividend cuts. So 14 is the number. As long as it's above 14, um, we're not going to get full bearish on it. But below 14, it is going to get ugly. It's 14.81 here, holding up relatively well, considering the significant downgrade from one of the biggest guns this morning. But, I mean, the stock's been in the doghouse for so long. Um, you know, Obviously, there's people still buying it for the 10% dividend. Whenever you see a 10% dividend, though, it's anything but safe. Yeah, and just you know, people like to talk about you know all the great options activity and stuff. Well, this this had some option activity on both sides of the market uh, last week, both calls and puts. So I'm looking at all this information. I really, you know, you don't know if they were hedges or what it was, but looking at all that, uh, looking at all that action, I, I don't know. I I can't really interpret whether it was bearish or bullish call sweeps. <laughs> Uh, puts at the ass so option market active here i think barons i uh, didn't get all the way through my barons this week but i think uh barons uh had in uh, one of the front sections something that was uh, pretty negative on uh on, on macy's so we'll see what happens i mean goldman has done this before i mean they've you know downgraded tesla to sell i don't know how many times and goldman's been active lately yeah they've, they've been making been some ratings calls but uh, you're right. You're looking at that October low here at uh, 14.11. I know we traded under that in the pre-market. I guess that real estate is not quite as valuable as everyone thought it was. I wanted to. I'm going to bounce around. If you want a rating specifically, sure let us know. I want to bounce over to SWKS now, though, because this one's interesting too. And QRVO, we can probably do these two together. Yeah. They're obviously both Apple suppliers, yep. and they're going. Bank America is going right across the board, going from sell to buy on both of these. So underperform is their equivalent to sell. They were at under, underperform on SWKS, underperform on QRVR. They are upgrading them both to buy. So obviously they saw something good here in the last little while. And I mean, you look at these stocks, is this one of these that we're just chasing price here? Because both of these stocks have been pretty hot. I mean, they, you look at it after what Apple's done. I mean, I, and I, I had the same reaction when I saw the, those ratings today. I'm like, you know, maybe is this a little bit late to the game with the Apple yeah. news that we had? But no, they're both trading higher. Uh, QRVO is trading up 341. Is this a new all-time high for this one? Yeah. I, I, I think they're all. I think they're all getting close to it. So you go QRVO. Obviously, Apple made new all-time highs on Friday. Then you go QRVO, it's making new all-time highs. You can go SWKS, it's just slightly off. We did get a little bit more crazier in 2017, but a recent high for 2019. Um, and then you can go Cirrus Logic, even if you want to look at that one too. I believe that's at least an eight or nine-year high, if not an all-time high. My chart only goes back nine years, uh, but it's a nine-year high. Uh, so the Apple suppliers are just following suit. I mean, we talk about relationships, and obviously I trade them all the time. These are two relationships that I like to trade a lot is all these uh, stocks, all these Apple suppliers against each other along with Apple. I mean, this are just, there's just inefficiencies here that you can extract all day long. As a Paris trader, these things work very well. So where do you, do you have anything on any of those stocks, Joel? I've thrown it to you as a technical analyst. Oh, man. I don't know. I mean, they're just – I just looking at the highs of the – I was trying to find a few more for us. I'm just looking at the highs of the pre-market session here, and I'd use that as a potential target, 74.37. You're not far off that in Sears Logic. That's trading at a new all-time high. They have been moving up ahead of this, so maybe you find some people taking some profits into this. Uh, you have uh, SWKS up 263. That just made a high at 104.49. Uh, 
And looking on the monthlies here, I do see a couple monthly highs in the 104 handle. So just if you're buying this off the hop, I see 103.95 and 104.20. So if you are buying this off the hop, you want to see it hold 104 for uh, for SWKS. That's what I'm looking at in those. Just trading higher. Keep an eye on Cirrus Logic here too, because the other two are popping. Even though there's nothing on CRUS, I would expect CRUS to show some relative strength just because the peers are popping. Hasn't made a trade here this morning. Is bit up slightly at 74.20, but. So, you know, this is, here's another stock that's close to the highs there as well. So keep an what eye on about, this. What um, about OLED? All of those. There's a, there's a whole list of them. OLED is another one. I mean, you can even go into AVGO. Broadcom's another big Apple supplier. Obviously, it's got a lot of other businesses as well. But OLED is another Apple supplier too. It, maybe it hasn't done quite as well as the other ones it looks like on the chart. But it hasn't done bad either. Started the year in 2019, 80 bucks. 193. So just quietly up 130% this year, 120%. I'm doing the error math uh, right. So it's been a pretty good year for OLED too, even though it's not at the highs. Uh, for you AVGO traders, keep an eye on 320. Uh, you had, and I'm talking about daily highs here. You had one at 1948, one at 2018, matched it the next day at 2018. The next day was 1994. That's a buck and a half away. You had a seller there basically four days in a row. This was back at the end of November. So if you get another buck and a half on this one, uh, take a look at 320 as a uh, potential target. And uh, I don't know if you want to short it, but I like that. Four highs in the same area, 320 for AVGO. Got multiple people asking for Chewy. I'm just going to throw this straight to you, Joel. We got Eileen in, yes, the, or Aileen in the chat of the pre-market info chat and the YouTube chat. We also have uh, Aramis looking for Chewy as well. I'm going to throw it to you because Thank I have you. position on it. Okay. Uh, it's trading down a penny. Uh, I don't know if you want to get any. Sh the only reason this thing would go up ahead of the report. It reports tonight. Yeah. So the reason it would go up ahead of the report is I don't know what the short interest is. But uh, over 25 here, you had a high of 25.34 on Friday. You closed under that. I don't know. I'd be a little nervous if this like opened up and held 25 and then started to run. It just looks like it's just a little creeping a little bit higher. Someone can maybe give you the short interest. It was 22.89 on December 4th and then the end of the week at 24.95. So the little momentum's going to the upside ahead of the report. Uh, might as well. Hope while, you're not short, Dennis. While we're here, just uh, you know up. what I like to play the earnings. I know, run -ups, I know. So I we can say that right there. there. I know. I play the earnings run-ups. We talk about that all the time. Um, you know, I like, long, I like to be long stocks ahead of the reports, not taking them into the reports, but I like to be long them ahead of the reports. So what about rundowns? Like a really bad stock? Do you do that? Do you, do you go short into the report, or are you just biased to the long side? There's something, um, and, and this is an interesting conversation, you know, maybe not a conversation just for, you know, because I'm going on a 25 minute tangent on this one, yes. but okay. I've got a, a, there's a trader at Bright, uh, you know, Bright Trading, and they figure out a lot of these different edges that analyze the action an hour and a half before the report. And they find that, and the, I've never traded it, so I don't know if we could bring that trader on. To, I don't know if he wants us talking about these hedges, but <laughs> that, you know, you're looking an hour before the stock reports and they like to see, is there selling pressure the, the direct hour before the report or is there buying pressure the direct hour of the report? Because just believing that there's insiders there, and sorry, I've uh, got a problem because I bit my tongue and I'm, that's why I'm like lisping a little bit here this morning. Um, it's been a really rough weekend for me. Both kids got the flu just on a tangent. I bit my tongue. I'm just like a mess. So that's why I definitely have the hat on today. It'd be the worst hair day in the history of the show <laughs> that, if you're seeing this right now. So if you hear the lisp on me, it's because I bit my tongue. I literally, my tongue is like Bite your tongue. Bite my tongue literally. So anyways, besides biting the tongue, the strategy is involved that when you see the selling pressure, the hour before, like, so it's only in the company's reporting at night, obviously. But when you see the selling pressure on it, the hour before it reports, the, the strategy is to actually shorten the report saying that they know something. If there's, you know, and, and if it's got strength the hour before the report, and you got to back out all the market effects. So I got to back out all that too. The trader makes money with this, doing it this way. I don't know if, you know, I don't have the guts to just be taking that many stocks or the reports, but, you know, I don't know if they're still doing it either. This was something discussed a long time ago. 
but I mean, I think there's something to it. I mean, if you really believe that, you know, insiders are out there and they're going to be trading on, you know, in, information, I mean, you might see pressure on stocks that are going to miss and, and, you know, upward pressure on stocks are going to be. That's the strat the idea behind the strategy. I'm not sure if it works or not. So when you're looking, you know, and, you know, and obviously you can look at it from a longer perspective and I'm not sure if it's there either. Um, you know, stocks that are really weak a couple of days right. before, I, I, you know, do they turn around? I, I personally, my strategy involved is I just like to be long stocks ahead of earnings and selling them before. Cause I think there's, you know, in both cases, buy, I think yeah. even I, when a stock is going down, there's a bias to buy them because even the stocks been going down for a while, if you were down and you were, you know, stocks been going down, you were short the stock. You probably, if you're up in a whole bunch of profits, you're going to want to risk taking it through. No. So maybe you're going to come in and actually buy it the day before just to lock in those profits. And, you know, the other case of a stock's going up is people speculating that, oh, it's going to be a good report and we're going to buy it. So that's why I tend to just be long stocks ahead of the reports and then selling them at like 359 before the report. The odd time you forget and you get stuck with something, you're like, uh-oh. <laughs> but, you know, for the most part, I'm pretty good at not forgetting. So... That's just trying to grab the earnings run up and the earnings bias. That's how I play it. Well, I think that since we've been in a major bull market, that your strategy, you know, proves out to be a little bit better, right? I mean, just with the anticipate. Also, people are biased too, biased to the long side. So I, they are. Yeah. So I, I know that. There's lots the to it. I mean, is it insiders? Is it non-insiders? Is it just speculation of insiders and speculate? There's so many people to talk about insider trading and you know how prevalent is it? It's probably not as prevalent as the media likes to make it out to be, but people trade off this stuff and they speculate off this stuff. Um, I just like, you know, I'm not speculating on any insider stuff when I'm buying an earnings or stock ahead of the earnings report. I'm just simply saying if I was short it, I would probably cover it, which is going to put upward pressure on it. If I was, you know, thinking it's going to be a good report, maybe, you know, that person's going to be buying and speculating ahead of it. So I think for both reasons, sometimes to see an upward bias a day or two ahead of the report. Uh, Aviator One's mentioning truly 36% short interest. So yeah. just going, you know, going into, I mean, could be up three i don't know what they expect the move is in tomorrow but i mean let's say you were just pounding this thing since the ipo right i don't know what the availability of the short stock was and you know you got a pretty nice percentage gain here you know yes it could drop under twenty dollars off the report or it could go to 30 so i just for me i look at it from the perspective of wow I've been short this thing, going in the report. I have no idea if people are buying a lot of dog food. Lisa did actually order some dog food from there. So we did, we did, I do have confirmation that they, they have sold something, but uh, I'm not sure what the price was. Uh, it looks like we're going into more questions. Neve in the chat is asking, do I ever use market on close orders? I will tell you a lot of our traders use market on close orders. I use limit on close orders. I don't like to just throw a market order. Because what if the close is really bad? I don't want to be selling into the market. So I typically, if I want to be long a stock on the close, I do this all the time. Stocks maybe trade at 25, I'll put a 25.50 limit on close. But, you know, and maybe that's going to say, I'll give it 50 cents. If it trades, if it, if it really runs up on the close, then I probably don't want to be in it. So I don't typically use the market on close orders, although a lot of other traders are right to. I use the limit on close order because I don't want the blank check out there. I just, you know, if I want to be aggressively buying a stock, I want to own it overnight, then I'm going to put a limit on close. Or if I want to sell a stock overnight, then I want to put the limit on close. I mean, in some cases, you just want to be out of it no matter what. I have had instances where I use a market on close. Like I said, a lot of traders do use that. I like to limit it, though. Even if I'm, like, trying to get out of a stock that, you know, is having earnings, um, I'll typically still use just the, the, the limit on close. Like, let's say stock's at 30, and I'm going to be selling it. I, I, for the most part, I'm managing those enough that I might just sell it, you know, a little bit before, but I kind of want to trade the trading action a little bit too. And once you send that limit on close order, you know, 15 or if, and it obviously got to get in, in, in there 10 minutes before the close, you're locked in. Those are going in. You ain't canceling those orders. It can't be canceled. So I used to, I usually like to, you know, be able to cancel my orders. So I usually manage yeah. them. But if I have a lot of positions, I use a limit on close order, which is obviously it's brother order. Right, a market. I mean, a marketable limit. So you know, you, marketable limit is what I'm using. But yeah. a mar it's a limit on close LOC as opposed to MOC. So yeah, but we use them all the time. 
Uh, Daniel Manahan just was talking about Alta last week. It went down the hour before the report, but quickly went up 10 minutes before the report. And uh, we all know what uh, Alta did. And then also just I was looking at this chart over the weekend. And you got to consider market effects on a lot of this stuff, too. So that's the one thing. You can't just say, oh, stock's going down. It's going to miss. I mean, if the market's tanking, stocks are going down. It's absolutely nothing to do with the earnings report that's coming up. So you have to back that out. So that's why it takes a little bit of, you know, spreadsheet work and stuff to back all that stuff out. If you're really trying to extract the alpha from the event, you got to back out the market movement too. I mean, when the market's doing nothing, it's easy to do. Okay, well, the market's not moving. So it's all, you know, event driven. But when you've got a 100 point sell off in the Dow, well, the stock's probably going to be down if it's got any correlation with it. And that's absolutely nothing to do with the earnings. So you got to back that stuff out too. And uh, it just, I, no one's mentioned it today about our age, but, um, they were asking about it in the chat on Friday. And I just said, well, let's keep an eye on that old time closing high price and see what happens there. And if, you know, spent a little time below there, opened at 33.91, went to 31.90, closed at 241.97, trading up another 88 cents today. Running. Man, and now you're fighting Mr. Buffett. So once again, I'm not – not paying as much attention to the 42.43.67, which is the all-time high, but that all-time closing high of 41.97. And the only thing that this one is the volume did back off a little bit on Friday. Thursday, of course, was the earnings report. So if you get worried about this one, what you want, if the only reason would be to worry is if the volume really comes down, then you get some tight ranges. And, you know, you know, a couple of inside days and then it breaks down through, you know, the bottom of the, you know, of the inside days. But right now it's not showing any sign of that. RH, uh, new all time high. What a stock in uh, 2019. Spinners uh, wants to talk about Datadog and Spinner did okay. alert me to this in, in the Twitter on Friday night. And um, it came, I just want to grab the tweet. It came from CNBC. Um, really? Yeah, and it, it was a good one. Actually, I'm trying to grab my Twitter. I had it written down. It was from, uh, hang on a second. I'm just, I don't sure, push it. Go to DDOG. Show the technical on it. Uh, um, it's filling a gap, uh, trading down. I'm going to tell you why, though. So Leslie Picker was all over this from CNBC, and great call by Leslie Picker. So she tweeted out during the day on Friday. She said, keep an eye on shares. I'm going to read her tweet. Good job, Leslie. She says, Keep an eye on shares of Datadog, which has a unique lockup provision. If the shares close above 35.91 today, there will uh, they will allow the company to re release 20% or 43.8 million of the locked up shares early, and that would be on Monday. The stock closed right at that price, and I guess that allows the the lockup, you know, in this provision. You know, I guess it's, it pays to read this these prospectuses and it pays to read this stuff. But I guess, you know, it, it's releasing it. So you can see after hours, they just started hitting it Friday night saying, oh, yeah, we're going to get the lockup expiration. We know, you know, we've heard, you know, even heard from Mark Yusko has been obviously, you know, an, an insider and been participating and, and been locked up. And, you know, he was saying, you know, in the case of Beyond Meat that day, he was selling as fast as he possibly could. So, you know, there's going to be some insiders selling if that, you know, that lockup expiration, you know, if they did release those 20 percent, um, I didn't get uh, verification that they did or not. But it sounds like Leslie uh, did her homework here. So I'm going to go with her because she was all over it. And I mean, that was a great call by her. So if you're short of the close saying if this thing goes about 3591, there's going to be pressure on it. Congrats, because this thing is down 5% here. So great call, Leslie. And but, thanks, Spinner, for alerting me to that. Right. But you don't know for sure if the people are going to sell. You, right? Yeah, but when these expirations happen, more often than not, you see pressure. I mean, these are events too. And we talk about, you know, run-ups into earnings events. There's run-downs into these lockup expirations. There's speculation that people are going to be selling. They were speculating. And still, maybe nobody's even sold yet. But it's the speculation that, hey, there could be some insider selling here today. And that speculation drives the price down. I mean, Friday night when the stock was trading down a dollar uh, and there was no other news, so I believe this was the news, that's all speculators that are shorting saying, yeah. hey, there's going to be some shares released here. There could be some insider selling on Monday. So that speculation can even drive it down, even if there isn't any insiders that are selling. True. I'm just saying if I was one of those traders and had a position and this thing opened, you know, I'm looking at the someone's in here buying. I mean, it's finding a little bit of support. 
It's filling a gap that it had from an earnings report. And I would, you know, if you're looking for 30 bucks in this thing today, uh, that was a low that you had uh, going back 30.26 on November 8th, then you, you know, you don't want to see this saying open at 34 and then be at 34.60 if they're, you know, they're going to do their selling. So we'll just keep an eye on the pre-market low. I'd be more inclined to see what happens on this gap fill here. Um, in the issue, uh, a lot of people, shorts too, or could use this as an opportunity to cover. So a lot of different facets to it. Yeah. All right, Un- unbelievable that these provisions and stuff, because I don't think I've ever heard of one like that, never, like, like the like specific price setting. And if it's above this price, then we can release a little bit more. I mean, I don't, and, and if you're actively trading these things all the time, maybe, you know, you know about this stuff and I don't actively trade the lock of expirations. I, I'm aware of them and Spencer does a great job alerting us to this one, but this one was just a, a, a weird one. There's, a well, there's one. actually a few more that I'm trying to alert you to, but I can't because my my window, my Chrome window keeps freezing on me. But there are, are a few lockup expirations. I'll, I'll have them by the end of the show. These matter. Uh, these 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 ex, these these are market driven, market moving events for these stocks. I, I wrote them so down, even if you don't think it's me any insider selling, these things yeah. you know do move price. I, Sometimes I, I, you'll see they're just crowded, and you know, what, do you have one for me? Well, I wrote them down last night. Now I'm trying to like pull the page up. <laughs> Your page isn't even coming up. No. This is why you got to use physical paper sometimes, Spencer. <laughs> Old school. Okay. All right. Well, hold on. You well, know what? When my computer freezes up, my paper is still here. Backup <laughs> paper. You're, you're, you're right. This morning, you're right, Dennis. What can I say? Uh, <laughs> Old school. Uh, wait, can we go to a guest though? No, just one second. Okay, I, just wa- I just want to say, yeah. uh, what about that guy that I snuck out of those GoPro shares at like 95 bucks? There you go. Remember that? Yeah. Oh, four the bucks. Guy, yeah. Oh, we need a special trust charity giving. Well, the Beyond Meat one was brutal too. How'd they get out of that one early? Remember they pulled some stunt to get out of that thing? Yeah. They were selling at 160. Yeah. Some yeah. of the insiders got out up there. Poor Mark Yusko got help. He had to still hold it for a while because he was stuck with it. I mean, he's not very poor because he was in the thing from $2. But <laughs> there was <laughs> so obviously a good job, Mark. But um, you just look at that and you think like, how? why do some insiders get preferential treatment? All right, I'll, I'll, uh, we'll talk more about the lockups this week. Hey, Dennis after doesn't drink coffee, so he can't spill coffee on the paper. Right. There exactly. you go. So let's, let's switch gears here for a second and bring on our guest today, Nate Tobik. He's with uh, CompleteBankData.com. And uh, we haven't really discussed the financials yet today, so we'll, we'll do that with Nate now. He's got a pretty good view of uh, what's happening in the financial sector as a whole, uh, top down, uh, big. Uh, big national banks, smaller regional banks, community banks, everything. Uh, Nate, good morning. Good morning. How are you guys doing? Uh, good. Nate, we were talking earlier about uh, insider trading a little bit. You said you had some thoughts on that with regards to uh, 401ks and uh, company stock. Can, so can you outline exactly what, what you think, what you meant by that? Yeah, yeah, for sure. So so Dennis, I, I do agree. And I think there's a lot of validity to to this. So, you know, if you think about a company and I, I've done some work at public companies and um you know, when they have the earnings release, that's when you're allowed to put in your order for the 401k for the company shares to buy and sell. And so, you know, the custodian already has visibility into those blocks if they're going to need to buy or sell things. And so, um, you know, they could see the orders ahead of time because they need to settle all that up. And so I think, you know, I think maybe what you're... Um, co-workers playing is some sort of it's like the the custodians doing some positioning to be to be able to trade these blocks or or do whatever they need to do to settle the accounts ahead of what what the order flow is and um you know those are some of the tells so you think there could be some like and obviously we just have a lot of quantitative traders that are running different you know back testing different you know numbers and coming up with different things and they've found that they can extract some alpha from going with the flow 10 minutes before the event i mean i'm i don't have the guts to hold that many stocks or earnings reports that's why you know i kind of play it a little bit differently but you know you're saying that there may actually be something there Oh, I absolutely. And, you know, even um, I always joke, it's like at a public company, even the secretary who's just, you know, letting people in knows more than anyone on the street could possibly ever know. And um, so, you know, everyone knows they know if it's a good quarter, a bad quarter, if they want to buy or sell. And, um, and, you know, there's a lot of people who are just given stock and, and like these, these newer companies, the Beyond Meat and everything. It's like, look, I was given stock. It's a bonus. I want to buy a car. I just need to get out and get my cash. And so when those lockups expire and when there's opportunities, 
it's like I, I just I just want out. I want my money. And um, do you yeah. trade any of these lockups yourself? I don't. I've watched them. Um, and I mean, I, I've seen it from both sides. I, I've worked at a couple of places that had grants and lockups like this. And, and you just knew there was going to be a cascade of selling because that people, they just wanted their money. They, it's like yeah. they're already tied to the company. They're getting a yeah. salary there. Um, the stock is just extra. Yeah. Well, and that's it. You know, they've been given shares and they're like hungry to get those shares and they don't care valuation. You know, I just want my money because I want to go buy my new car. That's, you know, it, that's so it, a exactly. lot of reasons right yes. behind it. There's not any analyst, and you know, in the long run, they may be really bad sales. But you know, as a trader, you're just trying to anticipate where the flow, where the order flow is coming from. And ahead of these lockup expirations, the order flow is off into the sell side. That's that. That's it exactly. I I so I have this um this little heuristic. There's a couple of them, but if you go to a public company, you could see how well people are compensated. If you look around the parking lot, you know, like what's the average car? That's that's kind of, people typically buy the nicest car they could buy for their salary. So you could kind of get a, a good overview of, um, you know, what that is. You could also look and see uh, if you go at, at the quarter ends when they, they have the um, like an options expiration or shares uh, look for like nice sports cars. And um, I worked at one place, they had a bonus and it was, everyone sold into that. It was, you know, over the weekend, suddenly there was a bunch of new sports cars that showed up on Monday and you knew how well they did based on that. And it's just, it's just human nature. The old sports car indicator. <laughs> it works. It's like the briefcase and yeah. the hair and the bad hair day indicator. By yeah, the, the stuff works. It's funny, but yeah. Yeah. All right. So Nate, what kind of opportunities are you seeing right now in the financial sector as far as uh, end of the year plays or even just early 2020 plays? Yeah. So, you know, things are, are kind of being shaken up some, um, especially with rates going all over the place. So we had a couple years where everyone was optimistic that banks would finally be um, earning back at where they had earned it historically. Um, and obviously with rates falling, um, that's not going to be true anymore. Um, and so likewise, uh, if you look at a lot of these big bank Big bank stocks, uh, regional banks, um, they're trading at crazy valuations. Uh, a lot of them like 10 times earnings, um, 80, 90% of book value. And these are our banks that are, are doing um, 10, 12% returns on equity. Uh, so the market clearly doesn't seem to care about these. Uh, what What's kind of happened is interesting. So um, business loan demand has, has slowed down dramatically. And um, a lot of the a lot of the non-mega banks have basically taken hits because they their earnings have slowed with it. Um, what has kept a lot of the big banks going is they've branched out into more credit card lending, personal loans, auto loans, and um, you know they're just really trying to find anything. And with lower rates, those are obviously a lot more profitable loans right now. Although there's a lot of danger in those as well because you don't want to be the person extending someone a loan. Uh, you know, for a couch or new bedroom furniture right before uh, it, they can't pay for it. And so when business loan growth slows, that's kind of a caution flag. It's, you know, businesses are not as, as um, optimistic about the future. And uh, so some of these banks that have, have sort of transitioned into really doing um, some of the consumer and personal stuff, I, I would be a little worried about that. Um, I think the sweet spot really is regional banks. Um, and so, these are, it's like a Regents Financial, um, FNB, First National Bank. FNB is a great bank. So they're at like 80% of book value, 10 times earnings. Uh, they almost pay a 4% dividend. And um, their market area is, it's, um, it's Pennsylvania, Maryland, DC. So very, um, you know, in DC, you're, you're not going to worry about a recession there. Uh, the money is always going to be spent. And so I, I think it's a, a fairly safe bank. And, you know, a 4% coupon is, is significant now. I was going to say, based on the, the research I've done, it seems that community banks in the, in the DMV area, the, the, the uh, Delaware, Maryland, Virginia area, seem almost immune to, not, not entirely immune, but business is good there, right? I mean, you, you, you just said it. The D.C., Maryland, Virginia suburbs of the capital are not worried about a recession. It, a lot of people are moving there. So it seems like that that is a consistently hot area of the country. For, it is for, for yes. lending activity, et cetera. 
It is, and you know, so the thing is, house prices are still reasonable there. Um, you know, to to buy a house in the suburbs of DC, um, I mean, it, it's only like five, six, seven hundred thousand if you're not looking to live like right in town. Um, and you know, that's not crazy. Um, and so, it's Joel. I saw your <laughs> eyes lifted there. It's, I, I, it seems pretty reasonable. I know. Um, that, that's similar to, to where I'm at here in, in Pennsylvania um, versus like uh, San Francisco or LA or some of these places where you're paying, couple, you know, 1200 bucks a month for a bunk bed. Um, I don't think that's sustainable. So I'd be worried about banks that are lending in areas like that. But um, DC, the salaries are going to be paid. Um, even New York area, the, the East Coast, um, I don't think too much is really inflated there. And um, I think that's it's solid real estate values. Let's talk about, uh, I'm sorry, Spencer, did you want to follow up on that? Uh, let's talk about the repo madness from uh, last month. And uh, Bloomberg is attributing uh, the blow up was fueled by big banks and hedge funds, maybe uh, not having the, enough overnight cash here. Are we just talking about just a one-time thing here? Because like, we talked with you about it last time. Uh, is there something here underneath the hood that we should worry about here? It was just, uh, you know, just, a, you know, uh, and happenstance and nothing to worry about. I, I, I think there's something here. Um, I don't think we're getting the full story. And um, I, I think that's, that's sort of concerning. You know, so that Bloomberg article, um, I think the, they said that, so originally the story was uh, this was for tax tax selling and just this weird timing with uh, payrolls and taxes. Um, but then it continued. And then suddenly now uh, Bloomberg's saying, well, it's because the banks own half of the treasury market and they don't have enough money to, to lend to the repo market. Um, you know, the reality is this, if you're getting a, a couple percent on a treasury and you can make 10% in the repo market, don't you think a bank would be able to find some cash laying around to, to maybe make that 10%? Uh, I, I don't know if that narrative totally holds up. Um, I think the question is, would you like to make 10% on something that you don't really want to hold overnight? And that's maybe the, the bigger question. And as to what exactly these assets are or, or what is going on, um, you know, a lot of people have just kind of said, this is just the way it is. It's not a big deal. But you know, if you look at a graph of the repo market, it's, I mean, it's just flat at zero up until recently and it spikes like crazy. And, you know, if you pull that back, um, I'd seen some charts, you know, they pulled it back to like 2007. So go back, say 12 years, there's a huge spike around the last recession, then it goes back down to zero. Um, I don't know if, if this is, it's being artificially held down and maybe the natural rate really was much higher this whole time. Mm -hmm. uh, but something has changed and it seems like something structural has changed. I don't think we know exactly what it is, uh, but clearly the people who are on the inside and can see what is being offered as collateral do not want to hold, to that, hold that without a significant premium. Before we let you go here, uh, a few months ago when we had you on, uh, inverted yield curve, all out recession, depression here, uh, forcing the Fed to take rates down lower. Maybe it looks like it really wasn't needed here now. Great job report here on Friday. What is your outlook for interest rates here in 2020? So I, I think rates are going to, to stay steady or trend down. And I think that's more of, um, you know, pressure from the White House. I think the market just wants that. Um, a lot of companies' earnings are not as awesome as they should be, given a lot of the, you know, jobs reports and, and where things are at. Um, anecdotally, talking to, um, to clients, our, our clients who are banks and um, talking to other people who, you know, who just work in business, that everyone has said the shoe could drop at any moment, um, but it hasn't yet. So we don't know what's happening. Um, you know, a lot of banks have, have seen slowdowns um, and uh, even a lot of manufacturing have, have some family back in Northern Ohio. They do a lot of manufacturing and um, th their clients are just holding off on orders. They said, well, 2020 will, will, you know, ramp things back up. But I think it's just cautious. No one's really sure exactly what it, the future holds. And, you know, when you get 
really the, the thing is a, a recession is nothing more than um, it's just an information crisis, right? So some people think there's some bad things hiding out there. And when you don't know about that, you're cautious and you don't act on it and you're skeptical. So you want a, a lower valuation. Um, if we see cost, you know, people being cautious and, and skepticism really kind of entering the market, um, that could either really start to spin and, and snowball out of control. And um, that's when you get, you know, crashes or, or large down days, or, uh, you know, if people are optimistic, that information could just kind of be swallowed and, and processed as nothing. So, um, I, you know, I, I guess it's kind of one of those, it's, it's part of me thinks we're, we're on somewhat thin ice, but, you know, you might be able to make it across the lake safely. You never know. Good thing you said Northern Ohio as opposed to Southern Ohio. <laughs> All right. Uh, Nate Tobik, he is the founder of CompleteBankData.com, also the author of the Bank Investor's Handbook. Nate, as always, thanks for the time and uh, have a good one. Thank you for having me on. All right. Going back real quickly to our conversation on the lockup expirations. Here are some lockups happening this week. We've got today... Uh, IPO lockup expires for CrowdStrike and Mohawk Group. So that's CRWD and MWK. That's today, the 9th. Uh, tomorrow, we have Fiverr, FVRR. And Wednesday, we have Chewy. So those are your lockup expirations happening this week alone. Big week for lockup expirations. Yeah, and interesting. So write, write those down. Interesting with the Chewy that, you know, they have earnings this week too. So that's uh, – very interesting to see the price action here. So we will see. Uh, Triple D, I see we're just just leaking a little bit here. Really a quiet range here uh, since we've been on the show. We basically have traded in a three-and-a-half, four-point range, uh, nine-point range for the day, 48.50. That's your pre-market high. It's just above the close from Friday. That's going to be a big level. Your high on Friday was 3151. And just like that, uh, we're within 16 handles of the all-time high. Uh, that was made in Sunday night trading uh, a week ago. We never saw that during the inner day. And all-time closing high comes in at 3153.75. You had that little triple top that you were eyeing just, um, you know, and you had a great call on this. We're going back to the 2nd of December where you thought it was a low-risk short. We're back up at that area right now where you look to – like maybe play that from the short side again, saying, well, we've got up here three times. Now we come back, you know, 4% from the lows right to this point again. Do you think it sets up for another potential short trade here? Or do you think we blow through this? I want to see the Friday, Monday move. Uh, okay. I want to see, you know, because you know, that was a one hell of a rally on Friday, right? We got all the losses. Yeah. Back. We didn't close on the true high of the week. The true high of the week was 3158. But from an you know from like an interday perspective, we did close at the high of the week. We closed just above Monday's interday high. So I'm looking for the Friday Monday follow through. If you know if we if we get rid of this red on here, climb into the 3150 handle, you know close 3151, 3152, then that 3158 is a sitting duck. If they can't get the market up over that today. Then maybe I'd rely on that level today. I don't. I, I hope you know. I don't think we're going to back off too much on the downside, but I think market really needs to prove itself on the upside after that nice move on Friday. We might be leaking on the S and P's this morning. There's a lot of selling balances. Selling balance. They're not big, but they're kind of across the board. So Bank America, 135,000 sell. Yes, the TLT is trading higher, so that is going to show relative weakness usually for the banks. Uh, but you can go GE. Always big sell amounts. 332,000 to sell this morning in General Electric. Pfizer. 57,000 to sell. Oil's down, so you're seeing some sell balances in the uh, oil stocks. While well. ExxonMobil, 63,000 to sell. Chevron, 26,000 to sell. I'm just looking. They're not big, but they're just kind of everywhere. Uh, Baba was showing a big sell balance a little while ago. Remember, Alibaba's already been active over in Hong Kong because of the dual listing here now. So it's more uh, the price discovery usually is already in the stock by the time we start our morning now. Uh, so it trades differently now because of that. But I'm just looking, you not know, they're not big, action, but huh? there's no real buy imbalances helping out here. Okay. All right. Well, Bristol that's Myers is trading higher. It's got 40000 to buy. BMY and Bluebird Bio. Yeah. Friday night, we didn't mention, they had positive, uh, positive trial results on something. And they were both trading higher Friday night. We haven't discussed canopy growth yet today. We, should. we haven't discussed a lot of stuff. We should at least discuss canopy growth here quickly. They have a new CEO 
and he comes via Constellation Brands. David Klein, who was the CFO at Constellation Brands, is now the CEO at Canopy Growth. And they're applauding the move. It's up 4.5% here. I will tell you, these stocks have stopped going down again. So, you know, we keep saying, well, there's going to be some tax loss selling. We haven't seen any of that really as of yet in December. And usually it comes in the last couple of weeks. Uh, but you know what? They had the big run there, right? You know, we're going back to November 19th, the three-day run in CGC when it ran 40% in three days, squeeze the shorts. It's given some back, but it's holding up. So I say, if you are along these things, as long as it holds above that 1761, 1762, little double bottom you can go, and I'm going to the 26th of November, and then just four days ago when it retested December 3rd, it held. So I think, you know, if you're playing it from the long side, um, that's, that would be my stop out, the 1761. You know what? That was the exact, fi- I remember figuring this on the show, that was the 50% pullback. Uh, from and, uh, and so all the ducks are in a row, it's a huge number. Yeah. Huge, huge number for that. I mean, look at the other pot stocks. They didn't make new lows on the move here recently either, which is good news. Like Kronos had the big run from six to eight along with that three-day pot move and everything. Gave a lot of it back, but didn't make a new low. And now it's in the little consolidation station here. So you know what? If you're playing it from the long side, just setting up potential trades for you. I still don't like the pot stocks long-term. But as a trade here, they're interesting. 637, the low of the move recently it's 680 this morning so you risk yourself 40 cents saying maybe we go try the eight dollars again it's potentially there if you just want to do them all and you got the mj there the same setup would be um, the big move yeah the big move from 1595 up to 19 and now it's pulled back i would say the low of the recent move is 1657 so you could have a tidy little 50 cent stop there buying it this morning and you're probably gonna pay up because cgc is up but if you're buying this morning 1695 let's say you risk yourself 40 cents and you try from the upside. I can't argue with you on that. Not what a bad about, setup. What about a sleepy stock here in APHA? Look at this consolidation. Yeah, there you go. Same that, thing. You can argue even the, 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 the cup and handle. I oh, mean, I, I'm, I'm not a bull part stocks, but I don't want to be short these things right yeah. now. They look okay. Yep, they the do. charts are starting to find. I mean, these charts have looked horrible for a year. These charts actually look okay here right now. I don't like the fact you get some tax loss selling coming in. That spooks me a bit. But I'll tell you, the technicals are setting up. They don't look that bad. Uh, we did get a upgrade here from, in Dow Chemical, correct? Yeah. DG? Who did that? DOW, yeah. yeah DOW, they, they changed the symbol a thousand times. Uh, <laughs> Dow. Gosh. Been Dow for a long time, Joe. You're really dating yourself. Right. Uh, who's who's in SunTrust? Morning. Yeah, SunTrust. SunTrust. Yeah, yeah, I said that. SunTrust upgrade to buy. Price target at fifty nine dollars. Yeah, I'm, I was thinking of the uh, the Dupont thing. Yeah. So Dow is. I know Dow, Dupont, Dupont, Dow. We're together. We're not together. We're together again. We're not together again. Uh, they can't decide what they want to do there. DOW. Um, you know what? Some of these and you know, some of these stocks have come back a little bit too. And DOW hasn't been too bad of a stock in the last three months. You know, if you go longer out, it hasn't been that great. But I, well, I guess I mean, you're looking at Dow because they did the spinoff again. You know, I was thinking DuPont is down from 100 down to 63. But the Dow Chemical, you get about 56, it gets interesting. I mean, that's the only problem. You're upgraded. You know, you got room to 56. I'll say that. There's room to 56 on this. Uh, did you see, I mean, did you see there's a new movie coming out, I believe, about uh, DuPont? Uh, I saw the trailer. I'm, 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 I'm going to see that. Yeah, I'll see that. Not with you, but I'll, I'll see it. <laughs> oh, come on. You could treat. Uh, Dark Waters, the true story. So I don't know. Maybe the hmm. media is getting a uh, piece of it. But man, there's, there's all these like Dark Waters and then there's a Richard Jewell movie. Like there's all these movies that are like rehashing things from the past. Did you notice that? Mr. Rogers? Oh, well, yeah. I mean, they're good stories. So. Okay. Yeah. All right. They just can't also, come up with anything good anymore. They just have to remake the old ones. Frozen. People aren't as creative as they used to be. Uh, what about Triple M? That caught a downgrade, correct? It yep. did, yes. 3M this morning downgraded at City to Neutral. Hmm. Trading down two bucks. This is one of those that are like, yeah, the nice candle on Friday. I don't know if this is going to have follow through here. So. You got lots of support down at 164, 165. You're kind of in the middle of nowhere, though. Hard to just come in here and be a buyer of the dip. Yeah, I'd say. I'm not selling it. You don't have it. Yeah, you, you don't have an exact, you know, top at like 172 here. But if you just look at the chart going back a couple of weeks, you struggled in that area, really between 171 and 172 and a half. So you had a 
big seller in that area. So there's the, there's the resistance that you need to clear. Uh, your two-day low in this thing, 162.70. No, nah, you're not going to get that. Let's see what happens at yesterday's low, even if it gets there. If this doesn't get down to 67 and a quarter in a hurry here, who, who was it that did the downgrade? Anybody good? It was City. Yeah, it was. Yeah. City. Uh, it was City. One of the best on your top top yeah, tiers. It is. I didn't I did not know who it was. So I don't know. I, I kind of agree with you. I wouldn't, you know, shorten it two bucks in the hole here. I don't know. I, no, I'm not sure. Doesn't look like it. Yep. Doesn't look like it. All right, Spencer. Yep, I want to wrap up today's show on a bit of a, a down note. We didn't do PCG. We, we did not do PCG. They settled. They announced a settlement. This came on Friday, I believe. Yeah, it was. Uh, so bankrupt, uh, non-bankrupt, bankrupt, uh, 13, non-bankrupt. Now they're not going bankrupt. Well, no, this is part of the proceedings. But it's a thirteen and a half. <laughs> they're still bankrupt. I mean, but there's, there's going to be something left for shareholders, maybe. I we mean, don't know. Who, yeah, who really cares? Yeah, thirteen point five billion dollar settlement uh, reached uh, on Friday related to the uh, twenty seventeen and twenty eighteen wildfires and the twenty fifteen uh, fire as well. I do want to uh, say real quick, rest in peace to Paul Volcker, who apparently has passed away oh, wow, this wow. morning. Uh, that's a bit of a, a downer to end the show on. Um, but if you missed any part of our show today, catch our podcast. It's available wherever you get your podcasts or rewatch us on youtube.com slash Benzinga TV. Thanks to our guest, Nate Tobik. Thanks to all of you in our chats. Please remember all the information from our show meant to be used as informational purposes only, not for investing or trading advice. Everyone have a great rest of your day. We'll be back with you on Tuesday. <laughs>